Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. All right, this week, um, lots of questions have have popped up um, the regarding this whole virus situation, a pandemic reality, and and everything going on in the world around us. I've gotten lots of questions. Why? Why would God? Why wouldn't God? Why does God? Why doesn't God? Who caused this? And of course, then the endless list of of conspiracy theories from geopolitical concerns to anything that 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 Hollywood novels or Hollywood movies present to us as possible reasons and outcomes. Now, the beginning of this, and I want to go back and convey, where do we start? The book of Romans, chapter 8. For me, it is the best uh, container, the best one-stop shop for sort of wrapping our heads around uh, the pieces of the reality and things that are happening uh, right now. But in the, in, let's start here. The beginning is in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, where the ultimate, uh, the ultimate goal of the adversary, the devil, our, our spiritual foe, if you will, comes against humanity. And in coming against humanity, he convinces them that what God said concerning them, surely God didn't really mean. And as a result of that, watch what happens. As a result of that, mankind is separated from God's presence and from that initial, what I refer to as a um, worship environment. At New Hope, we refer to this often because it's the foundation of ministry for us here. It's the foundation of a life of worship. In the Garden of Eden, three things happen. Deception, fear, and hiding. Deception, fear, and hiding. I believe those three are still found at the core of any of human problems, be it uh, things we suffer with emotionally or psychologically or relationally. If there is divorce, deception, fear, and hiding. If there is war between mankind, deception, fear, and hiding. Now, as mankind crashed and burned, it wasn't just mankind. All of creation crashed and burned. There were no diseases prior, hypothetically and theoretically, no disease um, on this planet. As my really good friend Don Mondell points out, uh, as he hates snow and the cold weather so terribly. He's pointed out to me through the years, for as much as I love it, he reminds me, Tom, you do know there was no snow before the fall. I, I think he's terribly wrong and misguided on that. That's my opinion. But I'll, I'll figure out how to prove that later. The point is, everything changed on the face of the planet, economically, socially, biologically, relationally. All of a sudden, there was this rub. It's called sin at work not just in our list of top 10 sins, but the force of sin at work in the planet and against the planet on lots of levels. Now, the goal of the adversary was to separate mankind from God. And I'd like to note the very closing verse of chapter 8 in verse 39, where Paul says, I'm convinced of this thing. Then he names several things. He says, nothing 
can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, having said that, let's back up and look at this container chapter, Romans chapter eight, that sort of gives us a great snapshot and perspective on how we handle all these things that happen. Who, what, why, when, okay? Now, Romans chapter eight, I'd really like to read all the scripture if we can, uh, starting at, at verse 18, and then we're gonna come back and sort of take it apart. I will skip over a couple of segments and sections, but if you would, get Romans eight open um, uh, on your uh, smart pad, device, phone, or Bible, and, uh, and join me right now. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, but for who hopes in what they already and what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Now certain terms have surfaced here, anxious longing, waiting eagerly for something that's out there. We're gonna come back to that in just a moment. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I was gonna read all the way to the end, but I'm gonna stop halfway and really take a running start at this real quickly here. I want us to go back to verse 18 now that we've gotten it. In those opening verses, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Let me give you this quick explanation of that. At the end of the age, um, when the return of Christ, when the heavens and the earth merge together in this incredible, who knows what, indescribable new reality, we will be given bodies. We don't know what they will be like. Paul would also write, we see through a glass darkly. And um, I, I, I want to do a sermon series entitled Face Against the Glass. All the things that we sort of press our face up against the glass like a child trying to see through and, and gain clarity on what's on the other side. But we don't know. But there is an end coming. Elsewhere in Scripture, Paul and other writers indicate when we get to that age to come, everything we're experiencing now comes to a stop. The fullness of all that God ever intended will be brought into a reality. We will be with him forever and ever. Sin will have been squashed. The adversary will have been bound up and done away with. No longer will that happen. That Nothing of what we know the world to be right now. A matter of fact, it seems to suggest that the seasons we experience was we'll just sort of an endless day when, when the trees bear fruit year round. Wow, what an amazing reality that is. You go on and on and read these things in scripture. But right here and right now, let me point something out to you. There's three groups of groaners, if you will. Look at verse 22. 
while waiting for these things that are, are, to, are to come, it says even creation knows that there's still something out there, the fullness of which is not realized. Verse 22, look at it with me, please. For we know the whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, but also we ourselves, okay? First, all of creation groans. That is plants, animals, and all human beings. But watch number two group. It says not only this, verse 23, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So now there's a second group. See, all creation, plants, animals, human beings, but he says, but now there's a new group, and that is those of us who are born of the Spirit, and that language is used right here, that we are born again people, there's a new kind of groaning. There's a new thing awakened. And your first thought may be, well, dude, I was hoping that when I got saved that, you know, sort of all that anxious longing for this and that uh, goes away, and I'm sort of set free from that. No, it sort of moves to a whole new level. Our groaning moves to something because we now have a bigger picture. Prior to knowing Christ as Savior, we were sort of like nothing more than a plant or an animal saying, I know there's something more that was stamped in me, stamped on me, and the groaning, what will that be? You see, when we're born again, we do know what that will be in the biggest picture. And that is the fullness of God's glory that will just break through to such an end, we become a, a radically new a creation, no idea what that will be, but that sense of expectation and anticipation is awakened in us as we are born again when the moment we invite and accept Christ as, as our Savior. But then there's a third groaner in this passage, and that's the Holy Spirit. Look with me um, at verse 24 or 25. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Here it comes. In the same way, the Holy Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. You ever, you ever been there, even in this situation, very awkwardly? Okay, who and why and what and the problems? And see, it's not just uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus. It's the day-to-day -day realities. It's relationships, it's jobs, it's ups and downs, things going on in our body. Um, uh, the, the complexities of things we face that we didn't see coming, just living in this life, and we're, Lord, is there, is there nothing more? But in the same way, I want you to see verse 26, the, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit intercedes with us. Isn't it wonderful that there's a Holy Spirit speaking and, and interceding on our behalf? I do believe this, this verse of Scripture suggests a number of things, but I'm going to do my best not to chase all those things. By the way, for those of you that are students of Scripture, you'll notice that I'm reading right by the questions you may have. And by the way, if you want to uh, email them to me, to Tom at New Hope Online, or send them to me on Facebook Messenger, I'd, be, I'd love to address them and maybe even uh, come back and and, and do a, a, a Facebook Live event just regarding those questions. Verse 28 says, we come to verse 28, and it's our poster child verse, okay? It says this, it says, um, I'm sorry, let me back up to verse 27. 
And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Here comes, and we know. Now, this is our, our banner verse we love to put on bumper stickers. As a matter of fact, recently, um, uh, there has been a, a, a broadcast network uh, TV show called Manifest that is built around this verse of Scripture. It's remarkable. Um, it's been sort of funny following it along now for two seasons and seeing how they try to figure out the very questions we're, we're asking right now, albeit in a more sort of sci-fi fashion. Um, but look at verse 27. He who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, period, then the next verse. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, having set this all up in the shadow of groan, 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 longing to become, we come to this verse as we come to pandemics or difficult situations in life that may not be the scope of a, of a global pandemic. But watch when we hear this and we say, and we know that God causes all things. Now we wanna know what those things are. Before this chapter is over, the word things is used six more times, and then there's two lists, one in verse 35 and one in verses 38 and 39. Two lists of things that come. We read those things, and we read uh, in, in verse 35 when it says uh, that peril or distress. Let me just skip ahead to that real quickly and glance at that. Watch the list of things that come. Who will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Watch that. Remember, that's the goal. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now, there is a sort of a seven-point listing that covers all manner of ill that we face on this planet historically, whether it's famine, war, or just uh, disease. This list really covers it and certainly covers where we are right now. But the question is this. You may think, well, why would they start it? What can separate us from the love of God? Because the goal of every one of these actions, the result of the fall, still goes back to one thing, to make us believe that God has walked away, doesn't care about us, and, and, and we're left on our own, godless and helpless. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, I look forward to sharing uh, a, a teaching entitled The Three Gardens, and boy, I'm excited about that. I'll tell you, the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane to the Garden Tomb of the Resurrection. And boy, does it answer that question, where has God gone? Uh, just be ready for that. I had to throw that in as, as I came across this. But it says, nothing, I want to remind you, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then it gives these lists of seven things. It really covers everything. The end of the day, the goal of the adversary hasn't changed one bit. It again is to erode our confidence in the word of God and separate us from the presence or the love of God. You know, I want to throw something in. There, there is a way that we can really only wrap our head around this. Still, even reading this eighth chapter, as wonderful as it is, it gives us great points of truth. But I want you to notice something, that there is a spirit factor. And when I say a spirit factor, when it says creation groans, we as sons and daughters, born again, still groan for that which is going to come. It says the spirit groans. And, and here's what I want us to get. 
You see, um, I don't know a better word to say. We try to reduce God to little, as I said last week, forensic sound bites or, or containers. And I mentioned last week about God describing himself as a fountain and, and how if we get a bottle of water that came from a fountain, we tell, tell people, well, here, great, taste that, and you've been to the fountain. No, you haven't. You've gotten a bottle of water. Today, I've got to tell you once again, it's my goal to sort of leave you splashing in the fountain. What do I mean by that? When Jesus would, in John chapter 7, when he would speak of the Holy Spirit, he would describe it as a fountain. And I, I really want us to, to try and, and, you can't wrap your mind around it, but get this. Please, please get this. The Word of God is not meant... I don't believe the Word of God is meant to be reduced to little cliches and containers of theology or thought or phrase. Those are okay. For me, at this point in my life, at 62 years of age and sharing the gospel for 40 years, my goal is every encounter with the Word of God is to lead them to the fountain or awaken the fountain within them because Jesus said there's a fountain that will be in you. The Holy Spirit will be that fountain. This is the Spirit of God who groans with us. This is the Spirit of God that in our groaning situation, when we're thirsting for what is next and looking, somebody please give me a bottle water answer. It is still this Holy Spirit that joins us and says, no, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you in this. And it becomes that refreshing fountain. You know what? You walk away from those moments. You can't quite nail it down, but somehow you've had an encounter that frees you from the bondage and the crushing realities of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Because it's the Holy Spirit, that fountain, the Holy Spirit who is also a comforter, the Holy Spirit who is also a Holy Spirit of peace. That brings us to that place that only he can bring us. That's my goal. You see, when the Holy Spirit engages us, verses 26 and 27, then verse 28 says, and listen, and we know. I want it to get it as if the Holy Spirit sort of grabbing us by the face and saying, listen, there's peril, war, nakedness, famine, distress, and then there's sort of mental things or what the writers call cosmic things height, depth, principalities, things present, things to come. You know that list that's out there. That's what's in verse 38 and 39. But it's as if in verse 28, and get that, please reread it, coming right after verse 26 and 27. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit grabs us by the face and he says, now, I want you to know there are things, things out there. There are bad things that are gonna get you. But please hear this. But I want you to know that God calls us all to work together for his purpose and your good. Now, our first response may be right while he's got our face is, okay, uh, I don't want them to work together. I want you to make them go away. So here's the rub. As long as we're in this world, we're in this world. We're in this age. That is a fact. We can continue to try and resolve philosophically or, or with forensic theology or whatever. What is the one quote or phrase that'll fix it? Nothing will fix the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And to that end, it says, you know, I am convinced. Would you look with me at verse 39 when he says these words? 
He says, for I am convinced. Say that out loud with me right now. I am convinced. Again, if you're with your children, grab them by the hand right now and say, I am convinced. Watch this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from, Christ, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, we're done. But here's what I want you to get. When he says, I am convinced, Paul uses that word a lot. Did you know it's the same word from which we get faith? And it's as if he's saying, if I have faith in anything. Matter of fact, there are a number of words that are translated from this. The word persuade, the word uh, convince, the word trust, the word confidence, and then amazingly, the word obey. Isn't that an amazing sequence? Persuade. Whatever begins to persuade me, I'll grow to the point that I trust it. And whatever I trust, I begin to have confidence in or convinced. Whatever I become convinced, whatever I'm convinced of, I put my confidence in, whatever my confidence is in, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. We do. We do. As a matter of fact, next week, I want to talk about the confidence factor in these times, the confidence factor. But I want you to listen to two other places that Paul uses this word. He says, I am confident, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, can I say us, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's saying, I have faith that what God has started, and I'm going to repeat this to you next week, but from the first day of my faith until the last day of my life, God says, I've got this. Trust me. Put confidence in it. And then when he's writing, when Paul is writing to, or to, to Timothy, young Timothy, who struggled with fear and intimidation, he says, for this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. Here it comes. For I know whom I have believed. Here's the word. I am convinced. I am persuaded, it says. I am confident that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him against that day. Isn't it amazing the number of times that this word shows up? That it's contrasting right now with tomorrow, with what's out in the future. You know, at some point, we're going to come to the resounding conclusion of that closing song that Dan shared this morning, that old song. I love it. He is Lord. He is Lord. I am convinced that he is Lord. Now, I'm looking over by me. and uh, Brenda, hop back in here with me right now. I'm convinced that he is Lord. I'm convinced that not famine, peril, distress, disease. I'm convinced that not height or depth or principalities or powers, not principalities or powers, not things present or what I don't know is coming. It says that, read it beloved, has the power to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord from the first day of our faith until the last day of our life when we do see him and the ending of the groaning happens we become whatever it is we will become right now right now we walk in that faith and confidence that you heard sung earlier he is Lord he is Lord he has risen from the dead 
He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and He is Lord. Is He Lord of your life today? Sweetheart, would you just lead us in prayer right now or say whatever you'd like to say? I love that passage that you've spoken from today, that we have been persuaded that Amen. He's able to keep everything that He has entrusted to us until that Not day. one thing. Not one Not thing. Not one thing is missing. And I just want to encourage all of us, those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior and lived this life that we know that He causes all things to work together for our good and for His purpose, mm. to just let your roots go deep and see what God does. Perhaps you are watching today and you say, I'm not sure I've made Him Lord of our life, my life. We want you to know that it's as simple as saying, God, I may not understand all of this, but I need a leader of my life. Amen. I need a forgiver of my sin. And you can do that with a simple prayer of, Lord, here I am. I don't understand it all, but I need you. And so as we pray today, all you have to do is pray that prayer. Amen. So Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this word of hope. Thank you for the promise that we have, that you will cause all things to work together for our good and for your purpose. It doesn't get any better than that. May we see the possibilities. Hallelujah. Lord, may our faith soar. May our confidence and the, the, the hope that we have in you be realized. And Lord, for anyone who's watching today that is in a, a place of fear or uncertainty about the next few hours or the next few days or their tomorrows or their future, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would Hallelujah. overwhelm them with your presence. Mm. And may they experience a God who cares about them. Mm. We worship you today. We thank you for your word because it is life. It, is, it has the power to produce results in our life. May we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.